What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, so hello everyone. Welcome back. Another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Uh, very happy to be here with everyone today. Looking forward to this conversation. Um, you know, the way I come up with topics and sometimes, honestly, it's not really until the morning of, sometimes it's like a week ahead of time, I'll have a topic. But, you know, what I really do is I sit and meditate with it and I ask, you know, like, what what is it that I want to speak about today? Or what is it that I should speak about? What is it that people need? And I try to really connect to what the need is, what's going to serve people most and create a topic around that. And this morning I was meditating and I hadn't really figured out what my topic would be. And I was, I was sitting there, you know, thinking about stuff we've been talking about in the program. I have the Inspired Love program going right now. And we've been talking a lot of different things in there, things that come up week to week and uh, with my private clients and just really sitting with everything that's been happening and really thinking about a, a conversation that would really serve. And what came to me today is, is really how to have the talk. The talk in, you know, put it in parentheses here, the talk, the, the serious talk about what are we doing? Where are we going? What is this? What, what are the expectations? What can I expect from you? Do you feel the same way I do? Do you want the same things I do? And all these crazy questions that so many of us are just terrified to ask or terrified to talk about. And, you know, I remember for myself, back when I was dating and, you know, trying to, trying to find someone, trying to find a relationship. And I remember like these conversations were really scary for me and, you know, my heart would be beating and my palms would be sweating. And, you know, sometimes maybe it was all I could do would just be to send a text message and say to someone like, look, I, I really like you. And I just want to know if you feel the same. And, you know, at certain points, maybe that was all the courage I had was just to send a little text message. Um, and later, you know, I, I started to little by little realize that there, there was really nothing to fear here and that all of the fear that I was experiencing around these conversations was really just like a hype in my own mind. It was, it was something that I was creating that wasn't necessarily part of the conversation or, or part of what was needed, but I had to grow into that. And I want to talk a little bit about that journey today of really growing into that and, and what that, what that step is to, to move from a place where you're really scared and really afraid to bring this stuff up and you feel really needy or really desperate, or you feel like you're pushy, or you feel like you're too much for someone, or you feel like you're not going to be reciprocated and all this stuff and what the journey is to move from that to just a really clear place of I'm, I'm okay. Like talking about whatever, like I'm okay being me. 
I'm okay being honest about what's real for me. I'm okay sharing with someone what's real for me and recognizing like there's nothing to be ashamed of there. There's nothing to be afraid of there. There's, there's nothing bad that could really happen when I do that. And so I just want to, you know, break this down from every angle and really, you know, dive into what's really going on for us when we're afraid to have these conversations and, and how to really have them in a powerful way. And I've said this before, but I think it's a great place to start today is, you know, if you're, if you're afraid to be honest with someone about how you feel for them, or if you're afraid to be honest with someone about what you want in your life in terms of wanting a relationship, wanting commitment, if you're afraid to really, you know, own that and speak up for yourself, then you've got to, I think first you've got to investigate that a little bit and say, why am I afraid? Like, what am I so afraid of? And most of us have never even gone that far with it. Most of us have never even gone that far with it. And the reason we've never gone that far with it is because the fear throws us into a reaction. And so the, the moment we become afraid, it's like, and the fear could be maybe they won't feel the same way, or maybe I'm going to look stupid, or maybe they're going to judge me, or maybe they're not going to want me and I'm going to feel like I'm unwanted or, you know, the, the fears take these different forms. But as soon as the fear comes in, the fear throws me into a reaction. And once I get thrown into re a reaction, I lose my state of consciousness. I lose my state of presence. And so first thing I want to say, and this goes for having the talk but this also goes for just every other area of life. Like anytime we experience fear, we've got to develop a, a kind of a presence of mind and a presence of being where we don't allow that fear to throw us into a reaction where we actually are, are able to see the fear emerging be present to what's happening in our body. If, if we feel sick to our stomach, if our heart is beating, if our palms are sweating, if you know, what, whatever, whatever's happening, but be present to what's happening in our body and really investigate what's happening rather than just be automatically thrown into this reaction. And so many of us are trying to have these conversations from a reactive place. It's like, I'm afraid to have it, but I'm also afraid not to have it. Right. Like I, I, you know, if, if I just let this keep going, I know it's not going to go where I want it to go, but I'm also terrified to have it and possibly lose the relationship or possibly face the rejection or possibly face up to the fact that this person doesn't want the same things I want. And then I have to deal with that. And so it's like, there's fear everywhere you look, there's fear everywhere you go. And coming from that place, I think I said this on the last podcast, I was talking about confidence or maybe it was, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when it was, but, but I was talking about confidence recently and I was saying that fear prevents you from being confident, right? Like the, the presence of fear steals your confidence. You really cannot be confident when you are afraid because fear itself is a protective mechanism and fear makes you view yourself as somebody who needs protecting. Now, who needs protecting? Somebody who's weak, somebody who's incapable, somebody who's not able to provide for themselves, somebody who's not able to care for themselves, right? They need protecting. And so fear, the, the presence of fear says you're, you're under threat. 
you need protecting, you need to be protected from what's about to happen. And so the moment we give into that fear, we now see ourselves as weak. We now see ourselves as pathetic. We now see ourselves as needy. And the reason we have so much resistance to these kinds of conversations is because when we approach these things, we're so afraid that it brings out the very worst in us. It brings out the aspects in us that we like least about ourselves. And so when you, when you go to have this conversation 90% of the time, you're not feeling like your best self. You're not feeling like your most empowered self. You're not feeling like the version of yourself who can handle anything, who can deal with anything, who can, you know, create anything. You're feeling like the version of yourself who is weak, pathetic, needy, unable to care for yourself, unable to handle, you know, what needs to be handled. And then you're trying to create something in a relationship from that place. So to start, I I just want to say that, you know, first thing is just to be aware of the presence of fear. And rather than being thrown into a reaction by that fear, and then going into this conversation from a reactive place, be present to the fear, be present to what's happening in your body. You know, you may have a little fear, you may have a little beating heart, you may have a little sweaty palms, you know, that might be there and that's normal. But you can also be present within that experience. And you can also be connected to your power within that experience. And what I want to say is that there must be, if you have resistance to this conversation, to letting someone know how you feel about them, to finding out how they feel about you, On some level, there must be some shame around what you want, around what you need, around the fact that part of you does have have very sensitive needs in a relationship. You know, part of you does deeply crave to be loved and to be held and, and to be committed to right? And to have like a strong commitment in your life. And part of you does crave that. And if you fear, if there's a strong fear around owning that, then there must also be shame tied to that. And so I just, for anyone who's listening to this right now, whether it's those of you who are live with me today, or those of you who hear this on the podcast, but I just want you to really sit with that and and reflect on, you know, is there shame in, in my needs? Am I ashamed that I have certain needs in relationship? And am I ashamed that I want certain things in relationship? Am I ashamed that I desire certain things in relationship? And what would it be like to own those needs, to own those wants, to own those desires, to own your attraction? Like, hey, I really like you. I'm really attracted to you. I find you super sexy. And to just own that, like there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to hide in that. There's nothing to pretend isn't there. It's just owning it. It's just owning it like this is how I feel. This is what's real for me. And you see, so many of us, if we feel that for someone, 
but they don't feel it for us. We feel ashamed of ourselves. Like we never should have felt that for someone if they didn't also feel it for us. And, and I just want to say on that point, like it's, it is so dishonoring of your own human experience to relate with yourself that way. It's so dishonoring of your truth, of what's real for you, to relate with yourself that way. Like, look, the fact is, we are relational beings. We are sexual beings. These needs, desires, wants, all of it, it's alive in all of us, most of us anyway, and you know, in varying degrees. Some people are more sexual than others. Some people are more relational than others. Some people are, you know, have a, a deeper need or knack for intimacy than others. So there, there are varying degrees here. But this stuff is alive in all of us. We all, when we're walking down the street or when we're out, we look around and we see people that we find to be very attractive. And we see people that we find to be not so attractive to us. And that's okay. That's normal. That's human. That's, that's a part of who you are. And what I really want to encourage here is just start being okay with who you are. Just start being okay with every aspect of your experience. If you like someone, if you're attracted to them, if you, if you see someone and you go, wow, I wonder what it would be like to be in a relationship with them. You know, I'd really like to explore that. I'd really like to see what that's like. I'd really like to know what it's like to be in relationship with that person. And just own that. Just own that as a present experience for you. There's nothing to hide from in that. There's nothing to avoid in that. There's no reason to pretend like that's not happening or play it cool like that's not happening. And our society tells us that there is. And the truth is, is that most of us, when it comes to our love lives, we're living with like a middle school mentality. You know, like when in that first time in your life, when you started wanting a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or when you started, you know, considering dating or considering being romantically involved with other people, for most of us, it's like around middle school, you know, 12, 13 years old, something like that. And then it goes into high school. But most of us, have never really evolved beyond that stage in our lives relationally. And honestly, like it's, it's, it's not a surprise because it's not like, it's not like in college, we got a relational education. It's not like we graduated high school and it was like, okay, now you've graduated the kindergarten of relationships. Let's talk about how adult relationships work. None of us got that. So what happens is at that time in our life, when we first start to relate with other people romantically, the habits and the patterns that we develop, which this is a whole other topic, but just for context, by the way, even going into that stage in our lives, we're already operating from earlier impressions we got in childhood. So it doesn't even start there, but romantically it kind of starts there. And so by the time we reach middle school, high school, we start relating with people in a romantic sense. We start having those romantic desires, those romantic interests. And then moving forward in our lives, we just kind of continue 
with the same habits, approaches, and patterns that we learned in middle school or in high school. And all of this shame about, I like them, but I don't want them to know. Or I, I, I don't want them to think I like them more than they like me. All, like, these are really high school dynamics. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, if you look at the, if you look at all the shows on Netflix or whatever, like all the, all the romance shows, they're all about high school kids. And why are they about high school kids? Because we all relate to romance like we're high school kids. That's why all the television is about it. <laughs> like that's, that's why it, it is that way is because that's the dynamic that we all relate in. And so there's a, there's a certain, I think, maturing that we all need to do when it comes to our love lives and really cutting through all that kind of little kid stuff about all the game playing and all the all the I don't want them to know and I want to play it cool and, you know, this, this pressure to be like the cool person who doesn't need anything, who doesn't want anything. And, and this is very much perpetuated by our, by our society. Our society enforces this idea that if you want something, there's something wrong with you. And it, it's, it's time that we all mature beyond that. It's, it's time that we really start to start to get to a place with ourselves where we can honor what's real for us and where we can do that in relationship with other people without shame and without fear. And we can honor not only what's real for us, but what's real for them. So when you come out and tell somebody like, look, I I really like you. I have feelings for you. I have a sincere interest in this relationship. I've been thinking about where this could go or what it could be. And, and I'm excited about that possibility. And I want to know how you feel. I want to know if you see those same things. And rather than us needing a certain response from that person, like, oh my God, I need them to feel the same way. And if they don't, I think I'll die. It's time to grow up a little bit. And it's time to really hold ourselves in a place of power where I can vulnerably share what's real for me. I can authentically receive what's real for them and I can be a fucking grown-up about it and deal with it. So if that person says, you know, I I really like you, I've had a lot of fun with you, but I just just don't feel like I'm into a long-term relationship right now. Or I just don't know if I can commit. Maybe, maybe I'm coming out of a divorce. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm you know, not really clear about what I want yet. Maybe I still feel like I need to date around and date different people and have different experiences. I, I, haven't, I haven't had enough experiences yet to really get clear about what I want. And we need to mature to a certain place where we can hear that and not receive it as a reflection of our worth. Like if I was enough, if I was pretty enough, if I was sexy enough, if I was smart enough, if I was desirable enough, if I was cool enough, if I was better in some way, if I was more of this or more of that, that their mind would be different, that they would want the same things I want. And because they don't, that means I'm not enough. I mean, that is some kindergarten bullshit right there. I'm just being honest with you. 
kindergarten's a bit of a stretch. That's some middle school, high school bullshit right there. That is not having a mature adult relationship. And so as an adult, as a grown-up, as, as somebody who's not desperate for someone else's love or attention or affection, as somebody who doesn't need that to be okay, I can just be present to what's going on with me. I can communicate that authentically. And then I can receive what's true for the other person. And we can either move forward in a, in a kind of relationship that I would like to create, or we can recognize that we have different interests. And with love and with acceptance and with actually wanting for both of us to have what we want, I can let that person go on their way. I can go on my way. And of course, like, are you going to feel things about this? Of course you will. But so what? It's a feeling. Like, I, I really want you to hear this. The only thing you're afraid of ever is a feeling. Like, when you really get the gravity of that, when you really get the gravity that the only thing you are ever afraid of is a feeling, and you see the insane extremes that you go to to avoid feeling something and the horrible situations that you put yourself in and that you remain in sometimes for years just because you're afraid to feel something. Like you've, you've really got really to wake up to the insanity of all of this. It's like maybe in high school, I couldn't handle it when someone broke up with me. But I'm not in high school anymore. And why am I still relating with relationships and with other people and with life as though I am? And, and I, I want everyone to understand this. Like the only, the only thing that needs to happen here is a subtle shift in how you see yourself. That's it. It's just a subtle shift in how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as someone who is, do you see yourself as someone who is desperately in need of someone else's love or attention or validation? Or do you see yourself as someone who can stand on their own two feet, as someone who can be their own human being in the world. And yes, yes, love, that's a human need. Relationship, that's a human need. Desiring to be with someone, I mean, that, that is something that is fundamentally at the core of, of almost all of us. I would say it probably is at the core of all of us. Some people are very disconnected from it, but that is at the core of all of us. But that, can you, I guess the question is, can you have those needs or do those needs have you? And that's what you really want to sit with. Like, are you an empowered individual in your life making empowered choices, conscious choices about the life you want to live? 
Or are you being run by your needs and your fears? So yes, this is an emotional experience. Feeling rejected, that's a tough emotion. I've been through it many times in my life, okay? I mean, like, man, I've been rejected in some devastating ways. And yes, it hurt. It hurt. I felt it. I still feel rejected sometimes in certain areas of my life or, you know, in in different ways. And sometimes it hurts. And the only difference between me now and, and, and my adult life and me at 16 years old, the only difference is that now I have the ability to be with what I'm feeling. And when I was younger, I didn't. You see, when I was younger... I couldn't handle what I was feeling. I also, and I think this is true for a lot of us, I also didn't have a lot of guidance on how to deal with what I was feeling. And so I would turn to drugs and alcohol. I would turn to sex. I would turn to any any way to avoid what I was feeling, to validate myself to make myself feel better, to boost my ego, to overcompensate for any aspect of myself that wasn't enough. But as I matured, I started to understand that, you know what? It's okay to feel sad sometimes. Like, like I want everybody to just really let that sink in right now. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel rejected. It's okay to feel unworthy. It's okay to feel like you're not enough. Because all it is, is a feeling. And like all feelings, it does what? It comes and it goes. Someone breaks up with me. Oh my God, I feel so awful. I feel so lost. I feel so alone. I feel like I'm never going to have love again. I, I feel like devastated. I feel lost. I feel broken. And then six months goes by. And maybe I still feel it to a degree but it's not the same. The feeling has changed. The feeling has evolved. And you know what else has evolved? I have evolved. And if I have evolved consciously, then I've actually been with that feeling in a way where I was present to it and I was able to release a lot of it. Maybe not all of it. Maybe it's still there to some degree, but I was able to release a lot of it. I was able to be present to it. And you know what's happened? is that after being with that feeling, I have learned to not be so afraid of that feeling anymore. I have learned to actually just be okay with it, to let it be there, to understand that it's just a feeling. And I have, I've expanded my own being enough to to allow those feelings to be there. So I know the topic for today is how to have the talk. And I'm talking a lot about what we feel. And it's such an essential piece of this conversation because if you can't be okay with feeling these things, then honestly, you can't have the talk. And your attempts to have the talk, like I want to share this because, um, uh, this this came up in Inspired Love last week and, and we were working with somebody in there and she was, she was sharing that she had just kind of 
unloaded on, on, uh, on her person or the person she was dating. And, you know, she didn't really know where the relationship was. She didn't know where it was going. They hadn't had the talk yet and she just unloaded it all. And I don't know if she sent it an email or text message or what, but she just unloaded it all. And, and then now she's freaking out and she's like, Oh my God, like I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. I just put it all out there. And now I'm freaking out that this person's going to reject me. And what I said to her was this, I said, you know, one, it's okay that you did that. It's okay that you put it all out there. Like at least it's all out there now. And at least it's on the table and you, you can talk about it now. But if you feel like it came out in an unbalanced way, if you feel like it came out in an unbalanced way, the reason you feel like that is because you resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted until you just couldn't handle it anymore. And then it all came out like, blah, instead of just in a heartfelt and grounded way, been honest about it from the beginning, been clear about it from the beginning and taken it in stages. So I've often said that when it comes to having the talk, it's not really a talk. It's actually several talks. And this is one of the biggest challenges I think we have is because the way, the way most of us go into relationships is we think that, okay, I'm going to meet this person and I'm going to have a few weeks to show them how amazing I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a few weeks to just perform for this person and show them all my best qualities. And I'm going to be totally cool. I'm not going to need anything from them. I'm just going to be totally cool. Whatever they want to do, we can just be cool with it. It's all good. And then after they've seen how cool I am and how great I am, and they've seen all my best qualities, I'm going to have the talk. I'm going to lock down that commitment and then boom, we're going to have it forever. That is, even if you haven't consciously, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy when you say it like that, to be honest, right? sounds a little crazy, but even if you haven't consciously said it like that, unconsciously, that's how we assume it's going to go. We assume that we're going to show them how amazing we are. We're going to lock it down and then boom, we're going to be set for life. And I want everyone to hear this. Dynamic human relationships don't work that way. So when it comes to having the talk, it's not really a talk. It's really several talks. It, and, and we could say before you even establish real commitment, give it six months. You know, we could say maybe, maybe the first quote commitment you would establish would be like, let's be exclusive. Right. And maybe, maybe around two or three months into the relationship, you get to a place where it's like, okay, let's just, let's just acknowledge what we're doing here. Let's be honest about how we feel about it. Let's see if, if, you know, we see a possibility for a future together. And then maybe around two or three months in, we agree to be exclusive, but exclusivity is not, it's not the, the final answer. It's, it's actually the first step, right? It's, it's, we move from 
we're just hanging out, we're just talking, we're just getting to know each other, to establishing the fact that there is a mutual interest in this relationship and we have a desire to see where it goes. And then maybe between two to three months and six or eight months, there's a period of exploring together. There's a period of feeling this out. There's a period of, you know, do we, are we really compatible long-term? You know, we've established we want some of the same things, but, you know, do we even handle life together in a way that works? You know, let's actually, let's give it some time to get out of the honeymoon phase and then into the like real life phase. Let's give it some time to get over the like, we want to jump in bed together every minute of every day. Like, let's give it some time for that to wear off and see what it's like when we have to go to work and when we're tired and when we're grumpy and when we have to deal with kids or when I don't really want to hang out tonight because I'm exhausted and because I had a long week and I just feel like I need some space. And let's see if you can even handle that when I say I need some space, right? Like let's, let's give us some time to get into the nuance of being in relationship together and then revisit this conversation. Let's have some tough conversations about, you know, I thought this relationship was going to be a certain way. And now that we're getting into it, I feel like it's not going to be that way. And that's scary for me because I'm, I'm sitting here going like I'm investing a lot into this relationship and, and I don't know if it's going to become what I want it to be. And that's really scary for me. And let's be vulnerable about that with each other. Let's talk that out. Let's clarify those desires. Let's clarify that vision. Let's see if we can really work on that together. And if not, let's say, hey, it's been great. It's been awesome. I've loved getting to know you. But it seems like we really want different things here. It seems like, you know, as hard as we try to make this work, we just butt heads on it. And, you know, maybe it is best for us to go our separate ways. And let's be adults about this. Let's not cling to this. Let's not try to force it even when it's not working. But hey, if we want different things, let's encourage each other to go find those different things. And once again, let's be connected enough to our emotional selves that we can handle the feelings that come with all of this. So there's a lot here. And I know I've, I know I've talked about a lot today, but I just want to kind of, I just want to kind of, uh, go through it step by step so that, so that everyone can really understand this process here. So the first thing First step, and this is before you even get into a relationship, before you even start dating someone. Now I get it. A lot of you might be dating someone already and you can't really wait until you're done with all this to get into a relationship. But if you're single, if you're not dating anyone, well, now would be a really great time to start working on this. And if you are dating someone, well then, okay, you've got to work on this within the context of a relationship and that's okay too. But this is work that doesn't involve the other person. This is work that is about you. And the question is, can I own my desires? Can I own my needs? Can I own my feelings? And can I own them without shame? 
Am I able to not be ashamed of what's real for me? I know that sometimes I'm going to run into people who don't want the same things. I know that sometimes there are going to be situations that, you know, are very uncomfortable for me. But can I even own those experiences? Can I be present to myself with each feeling, with each emotion, with each experience that comes and not get thrown into an unconscious reaction? That's the first step. The first step is just being able to be present to your own emotional experience of life and to own that and to honor that without shame. The next step, second step, is being able to talk about it. And I say there's no, there's no harm in on a first date being honest about what you want with someone. See, a lot of people have it like, oh, we can't talk about that kind of stuff until at least day th- date three. Why not? People are like, oh, that's way too much pressure for a first date. Okay, it's way too much pressure if it's a first date in high school. But if you're a grown-up, it's a little bit different. If you're an adult with a job and kids and a busy life and, and real commitments, and you're getting ready to like invest you know, time and energy and getting to know someone, it's okay to find out where they are and to communicate about where you are. Right? Like I'm not in high school anymore. I'm not just dating to fool around and see what happens. Like I'm actually dating with the intention to find a partner. And on a first date, you don't have to, you don't have to be like, listen, I'm, I'm looking for a partner and I need to know right now if you want the same things. And if not, we're done here. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That would be a bit much for a first date, but on a first date, it would be totally appropriate to say something like, listen, it's been so great. Like, I really enjoyed our conversation tonight. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. And do you mind if, if I just ask, you know, like I'm, I'm dating right now because I am really looking for something long-term. I'm really looking for a partner. And I just want to know, like, is that in the wheelhouse for you? Are, are you looking for the same kinds of things? Or, you know, where are you at with that? That's totally okay. And if somebody responds to you by going like, oh, well, I don't know. We just met. Like, I I think that's a bit much on a first date. Well, now you know they're dating with a high school mentality. That person hasn't quite grown up yet. You see, that person does not really know what it's like to be a grown-up with responsibilities, with with life commitments, with with having your time be very important and and wanting to invest your time in places that are that are relevant. So if that person responds to you like that, you could respond by saying, "Well, you know, honestly, like I'm kind of looking for a mature partner, some somebody who understands these kinds of things." And, and I think your answer told me everything I need to know. So thank you, right? Like coming from a mature place where their reaction doesn't throw you into being ashamed of yourself, it, it would just be like, okay, well, thanks for letting me know where you're at. Like, like I, I see very clearly now you and I are not on the same page at all. Because let's say, let's say that person on the other side of the table was a very mature adult who gets it, who understands. 
they would be like, well, you know, I don't really know right now because I'm going through a divorce and, you know, maybe, maybe my, my divorce isn't final yet, or, or maybe it was just finalized and, and I don't really know where I'm at yet. And I feel like I just need some time. Right. So, so like, that's like, that would be a very honest answer, but they're not invalidating where you're coming from. They're not making you wrong for bringing it up. They're just giving you a genuine, honest answer about where they are. Or maybe they say something like, yeah, you know, I, I am looking for something long-term. You know, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like, or I don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, but ultimately, yeah, I would like a partner. Like that's a very mature, reasonable answer. And so even on a first date, it's okay to be honest about where you are what you're looking for. In fact, that's the reason to have a first date is to get to know each other, to get to know what's real for each other, to, to find out if you want to have a second date. And a really great way to, one of the, one of the great criterias to know if you even want a second date would be to find out if this person wants the same things you want or if they're even open to the same things you want. And then it progresses from there. So if you, if you had this conversation on the first date, or let's say you didn't even have it on the first date, maybe you had it on the third date, which is also fine. And, and I, actually, I want to say this too, because you don't need to rush into this. And so if you're going on a first date, like I need to have this conversation tonight. Well, that's probably coming from anxiety too. That's probably coming from a need to force something. So you can, you can let this come up in a natural way. Comes up on a first date, awesome. Comes up on a second date, awesome. Comes up on a third date, awesome. You know, you can let it come up in a natural way, in natural timing. But if you're getting into four or five, six dates and you still haven't even been clear about what you're looking for, well, now you're avoiding. Now you're just withholding something and hoping for the best. But let's say you bring it up on a first date or let's say you bring it up on a second or a third date and you've established that like, okay, yeah, we're both open to long-term. We both in a general way want the same things. We've both been honest about that. So now you're getting in and, and maybe you're going, you know, maybe you've been seeing each other for a month now. Maybe you've been talking, you know, daily or texting daily. You've been building a relationship with each other and now you're getting into you know, it's, it's been a month, it's been 30 days, it's, it's been maybe six weeks, something like that. And you're starting to really feel something strongly for the person now. Well, now that you're feeling something strongly for the person, that would be the time to maybe bring it up again. And, and what I want to say is because, because early on in the relationship, you established that you do want the same things in general, it's very easy to bring it up the next time around. Now, if you haven't been honest about it, you know, if you let five dates go by and you've been texting regularly and you're making plans to see each other again, but you haven't even mentioned what you want or why you're even talking to this person, now it's getting harder and harder to bring up. Like, I want everyone to really get that. The more you avoid this, the more difficult it becomes. 
because now you're developing an attachment. You're developing stronger feelings. Now there's a lot on the line and you don't even know if this person is looking for a casual relationship. Like this person might literally just be sleeping around with the whole town and you don't even know that because you haven't even had the courage to ask. And now here you are developing an attachment to this person, dreaming about a future with this person, wishing and hoping it's going to work out. And for all you, you might just be someone they have on the side. You don't even know because you haven't even asked. And so now this is what I was saying earlier, where it's going to come out unbalanced. It's going to come out like all, all kinds of crazy because you haven't taken it in a natural way. And so now you're going to let it build up, build up, build up, build up until you explode all over them. And then they might feel like it's a lot. They might be like, whoa, where did this come from? You've been cool this whole time. Why, why are you so needy all of a sudden? But if, if you had already brought it up in the beginning, you had already established this conversation, you had already established what you're looking for, what you want, the reason you're dating, then the next time you bring it up, it's very natural. And you say, hey, you know, do you mind? Can we talk about something? Um, I, I just want to check in. Like we've been seeing each other for six weeks now. We've been seeing each other for a couple months. And, you know, I, I really, I really am enjoying what we're doing here. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, I, I'm enjoying getting to know you and, and I want to be honest, like I'm developing an attachment here. I'm developing like a desire for this to go somewhere. Like I'm starting to imagine, you know, what a future with us could look like. I'm starting to imagine, you know, different things. And like the, the point is to just be really authentic and be really honest about your experience of the relationship. And, and I want to like, some of you might be hearing this right now. You'd be like, oh my God, I could never say it like that. Well, why are you so ashamed of yourself? Would be my question. Why are you so ashamed of being a human being who feels something? Why are you so ashamed of desiring a relationship I mean, you've been intimately involved with someone for a couple months at this point. Why are you ashamed of developing an attachment with them? That's a perfectly fucking normal thing to do. Like, I really want everyone to get this. It's a perfectly normal thing to do. Why be ashamed of it? Own it. It's the whole reason you started dating them in the first place. Like, really let that sink in. It is the whole reason you started dating them in the first place. And then for some weird fucking reason, we turn around and pretend like, I never wanted that. That's not, like, it's crazy. It's insanity. And then we get angry at the other person for not giving us what we wanted. And we wonder why relationships don't work out. Well, they don't work out because we're not honest. We're not authentic. We're not real. We're not vulnerable. We're playing some kind of game, hoping it's going to work out. And of course it won't fucking work out. You haven't done the things every step of the way that would allow it to work out. And then after, after, you know, six months of pretending like it's all cool and you don't need anything, you're just going to hope that it'll magically work out somehow. That, that doesn't, that would, that could never work. So after, 
after, uh, you know, say six weeks or a couple of months, you let them know I am forming an attachment. I am desiring more from this relationship. I am wanting, you know, this to go somewhere. And I want to check in about it because before we make it another couple months in, I want to know if the same thing is happening for you. I want to know if you're feeling the same way. If you see the same things. And now, boom, here's conversation number two. Okay, so conversation number one, first date, maybe the second date, maybe the third date. You're just establishing what I'm looking for. I want to know if you're open to that or if you're looking for the same things. And if they say yes, or if they say they can be open to it, or they say, yeah, we can explore that together. Okay, then conversation number two, six weeks, eight weeks later, let's check in. I'm having feelings. You know, remember that thing we talked about on our first date? Yeah, okay, well, now it's starting to become real for me. Is it becoming real for you? And then if the answer is yes, if they're like, yeah, you know, I, I really, I really like this. I don't want this to stop. I mean, I want to see where it goes. I'm excited about it. Like, I look forward to seeing you. I definitely don't want to lose you. Okay, awesome. Then let's keep going with it. Maybe at that point you would be exclusive, right? That, that six week, eight week mark, that's a good time to establish exclusivity. Like, okay, awesome. We're on the same page. Yeah, let's, let's be exclusive. You know, if you're feeling what I'm feeling right now, then let's just get off the dating apps. Let's stop dating other people. Let's just really give this an honest chance and, and see if, if this can become something real. And then, you know, from that point for maybe three to six months, it's going to be pretty freaking amazing. You'll probably be in this like euphoric honeymoon phase where you spend all day in bed together and you just can't stop thinking about each other. And, you know, it'll probably be really amazing for a little while. And then the honeymoon is slowly going to wear off and life is going to start to happen. And maybe they do things that make you jealous. Or maybe they have habits that annoy you. Or maybe they're not as available as they were in the beginning. Maybe life gets busy and they can't be as present to you as they were in those first few months. And, and maybe, maybe they have an ex who they're ra raising a child with and there are some dynamics in that relationship that make you uncomfortable and on and on and on. I mean, I, I could go all day with these different examples, but the point is, is that life is going to get involved and the honeymoon phase is going to wear off and life is going to get involved. And this is where your next conversations are going to come in, in that four, five, six month period where you're going to have to say, you know, there are some dynamics between you and your ex that are really uncomfortable for me. Can we talk about that? You know, when I, when I think of us being together long-term, I like, I, I struggle to see how this could work for me. Can we compromise on that? Can we discuss that? Or, or, you know, like in the beginning, you were very available. You would text me good morning. You would text me good night. You would respond to my texts very promptly. 
Now, you know, we're four or five months in and, and you don't respond as quickly anymore. You don't text me good morning anymore. And, you know, it's okay. I don't want to make a big deal about that. But what's concerning for me is that what's concerning for me is that I'm afraid that that's going to become a trend in our relationship. And over time, you're going to become less and less interested. So can we talk about that? You know, you could even ask, like, is this fizzling out for you? Like, I just want to know. I want to, there's a question here and I just want to speak into it because I think it's, it's very pertinent for what we're talking about right now. This is from 99 Heba 98. She says, in our society, it's not okay for girls to tell a boy that she's looking for a relationship. I definitely agree with what you're saying, but I'm afraid of being judged. Now, I know earlier, I believe you said you, you live in Iran. And so your society might be a little bit different uh, than maybe a U.S. society or, or other parts of the world. And, and I get that, you know, um, in different parts of the world, things could be a little bit different. But I, I really want to say this. And you're going to have to decide how it fits for you. But if you are, and, and, and I want to say this too, because honestly, and I know you're in Iran and I know things are a little bit different over there, but I promise you there are women here in the United States that feel the exact same way. And, and your, your question or, or what you're speaking into really is illustrating the very point I was talking about where the reason you feel that way is because you have shame about what you want. You, Iraq, excuse me, sorry, not Iran, Iraq. The reason you feel that way is because you're ashamed of what you want. And I get it, I get it. A lot of that shame may be a result of societal pressure. And honestly, we have, we have the same thing here in the US, maybe to a lesser degree, but there is a lot of pressure in the US for women to be like this cool girl who doesn't need anything. And no, I'm totally cool. Let's just go with the flow. Let's just, yeah, whatever you want. I don't need anything. I'm totally cool. Like there is a lot of pressure in the U S for women to be that way. And maybe in Iraq, the pressure is even stronger, but I want you to get it that when you are no longer ashamed of what you want, it doesn't matter. Who cares about the societal pressure? Because there becomes a reversal here. And it's like, I'm no longer trying to please everybody else and be the person that everybody else wants to see. I'm showing up as myself fully and authentically, and I'm owning what's real for me. And I'm looking for a man who's willing to honor that. And I believe there are men in every part of the world who desire a really amazing woman in their life. It might not be the it might not be the most popular thing to post on social media. It might not be the it might not be, you know, the the thing that, you know, like if if a guy were to share that with his guy friends, they might laugh at him or they might make fun of him. I was thinking about um if any of you have seen the the show How I Met Your Mother, uh, it's a, it's a hilarious show. My wife and I watched the whole thing uh, straight through. Um, but the show, how I met your mother, it's a great show. It's, it's like a, it's like a satire on dating and it's a really good show. Um, 
but there's there's Barney who he's like the big player in the show and he's always trying to hook up with the ladies. And um and then there's Ted and Ted is like, you know, he just he just really wants a relationship and he's just a good guy who really wants a relationship. And then there's Marshall who's who's like married and you know, he's he's like wifed up. And and I remember Marshall says to Ted and Barney in the show, he says that uh, if if dating is the game, then marriage is is winning. And Barney says to him, "Yeah, in the women's league, right?" So so I, I think that's a really great illustration of kind of the cultural dynamics here and how men kind of see this issue. But the truth is, is there are a lot of men in the world like Ted. There are, there are, and the reason Ted was one of the archetypes in that show is because that's a reality. And there are a lot of men who are looking for a really great woman. And and I want to say to all the women out there is that there are, there are so many men and like, this was me when I was dating, like I would be on dating apps and I would put it in my profile. Like I'm looking for a relationship and you know how many women would ignore me because of that. Even though I know a lot of them actually wanted a relationship, but there is an aversion to authenticity in our culture. And a lot of the men out there are dying for someone to just be honest about it. And granted, men can work on this too, okay? I'm not putting it all on the women. Men can work on this too. But I I could tell you, ladies, how many men would be relieved to to actually sit across the table from a woman and have her be honest and say that I'm just looking for a really solid relationship. And, And for him to be able to just engage with her on that level, rather than having to pretend anything else, like I tell you, I, I know a lot of men like this, they're out there. And so The truth is, is that when you operate from that place of, I don't want to be honest because I'm ashamed, because I'm afraid of being judged, because I'm afraid of of how I'm going to look. Well, I'll tell you what, you're probably going to attract the men or, or or if it's a man, because this works both ways, you're probably going to attract the men or the women who are going to validate that belief. You probably will. And when you get really comfortable in your authenticity, in being you, in communicating what's real for you without shame, without guilt. And like, look, I don't care. Like you, I don't need you to be anything for me. Like if you want to go sleep around with every girl in town, go do it. Like have fun with that. Like I really don't care at all. But I just, before I invest too much time with you, I really want to know if that's the kind of guy you are. That's a very different come from than like, I'm telling you this right now and please, please, please want me back. When you're coming from that place, it's going to backfire. It's going to blow up in your face. The, the truth is, and like, this is, this is kind of harsh and this is a harsh reality of life. But when you're showing up and even if you don't say the words, even if you don't say the words, But if your being is saying, please, please, please want me back, 
nobody's going to want you back. And, and, and I get it. That, that, that is like a harsh reality of life. And I know there are so many genuinely good, tender-hearted people out there that are really, really trying to create a, a, a really amazing relationship. But you're coming at it from a disempowered place. And so it's not going to pan out the way you want it to. Because the truth is, and maybe this is slightly egoic and I get that, but we all have egos. Like this is, this is the reality we live in. And people don't want to be with someone who is saying, please, please, please pick me. Please, please, please want me back. That's not what people want in a partner, men or women. Ladies, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> like if, if a man showed up to you like that, would you find him attractive? No, you wouldn't. Because we all, men and women, want somebody who is secure in themselves. We all want somebody who can stand there and say, listen, I am feeling something very real for you right now. And, and if you were to get on board with me and, and we, were to, we were to really create this thing together, that would make me very happy. But if you don't want that, that's okay. I, I might feel something about it, but that's okay. I'm not going to push that on you. I don't need that from you. In fact, I only want that from you if you want it too. Because I would never want something for you that you don't want for yourself. Because to do that, to do that to you would be to deprive you of the very things I want for myself. You know, if, if I were to try to, if I were to try to prevent you from having what you wanted, like how could I ever try to get what I want? Like, it's just, it's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't work. I see somebody, and, and I'm going to end with this. I've seen this comment a couple times. Evan Scurry keeps talking about being numb in your heart. And if you think I'm talking about being numb right now, you are misunderstanding everything I'm saying. I am not talking about being numb. I am talking about being fully alive and present to your emotional experience and being a big enough human being to handle your emotional experience. I want you to really get that. That's important. That's what I started with. I said the first thing before you can even have these conversations in a powerful way is you have to be able to, to own your emotional experience. You see, the reason we go numb, the reason we numb out is because we don't know how to handle our emotions. I saw somebody ask earlier, they said, uh, they typed in the chat, they said, how do you become secure? You become secure by no longer being afraid of what you feel. So if you, if you reject me, I'll feel that. You know, if I pour my heart out to you and, and I'm just completely honest and completely authentic and completely vulnerable... And I just, I really put it all out there with you and you don't feel the same way or you don't return that. I'm not going to emotionally numb out. 
I'm going to feel that. And I'm going to be with myself and my experience. And maybe I'll talk to my therapist or my coach, or maybe I'll talk to my friends, or maybe I'll need to go book myself a massage or a self-care day. Maybe I'll need to go home and cry my eyes out in my pillow. But what I will not do is diminish my dignity in any way. Period. I will still be a dignified human being, even if I feel something. And there is a balance here. You know, you've got to be able to live in the empowered world and also the vulnerable world. And you've got to find the way to walk in both of these worlds, right? You can't go so far into empowered that I just numb myself out and disconnect from my emotions. You're never going to have an authentic relationship if you do that. All your relationships will be shallow. But you can't go so far into the vulnerable world and the emotional world that you become a doormat. And I, I, I understand that there's some complexity and some nuance to this. I, I, I mean, I get it. I've lived it. But this is the journey. And for those of you who want a really awesome relationship, this is the way to create it. There's one more thing I want to share. And um, I, I, know I, I know I said I was, that was going to be the last thing, but there's one more thing I want to share. I have a, a client. And I'm super proud of her, by the way. I don't know if she might hear this. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but she might hear this. Uh, but she, she wrote an email to a guy that she was talking to. And she really, in such a beautiful way, embodied in this email what I'm talking about right now. I'll just give you the situation. Um, so this guy had communicated to her when they first started talking that he was just getting out of a divorce and he wasn't ready for a committed relationship. And she said, okay, well, you know, I am, and I don't want to, I don't want to get going down the wrong road here. So, you know, it's probably best that we just be friends, but she was open to being friends with this guy and they weren't dating anyone. So they met up for drinks and they started a friendship and this friendship developed over time. And it got to the point where they were texting each other every day. And, you know, when she would be excited about something, he was the first person she wanted to tell about it. And, you know, she would be texting him and then waiting around for his responses. And, you know, all the feelings that come from dating someone she was experiencing within this friendship. And, you know, it probably would have been a great relationship because he did seem to be like kind of a stand-up guy and an honest guy and, and a good guy in a lot of ways. And so if, if he had been in a place where he was open to a relationship, this might've been a really great thing. Unfortunately, he's just coming out of a divorce and he's very clear that he's not ready to commit to something like that. So this friendship developed to a place where she started to become very attached. And, you know, it was something we talked about and, and she decided that for her own mental health and, and wellness and, and to keep the space open for the relationship that she really does want, it was going to be important for her to create some distance in this friendship. And she sent him this really beautiful, vulnerable email that just said everything that was true. 
And she was like, you know, I'm developing very strong feelings for you. When something exciting happens, you're the first person I want to talk to about it. When I wake up in the morning, I immediately check my phone to see if you texted me. You know, when I text you, I sit around and wait for you to text back. You know, I start to imagine in my mind, what if you did change your mind? What if you were ready? Could I, you know, could this work out somehow? And, and I start to think about, you know, what I could say or what I could do to get you to be ready. And she, she just put it all out there in this email. And it was so authentic and it was so real and it was so vulnerable. And then at the end of the email, she said, and because of all this, we need to scale our friendship back to casual acquaintances. So if you want to meet up for a cup of coffee once every couple of weeks and we can catch up on our lives and see how we're doing, that's totally cool. But the daily texting needs to stop. The talking to each other every day needs to stop. The sharing every little detail of our lives with each other needs to stop because I'm becoming attached here and that is not healthy for me. And that is not supporting the vision that I have for a relationship long-term. And if you feel like you can get ready, let me know. But until you feel like you're ready, this is where our relationship needs to stay. And she also said, I want to say this too. She also said in the email, like, this is so hard for me to write right now. I am so afraid to say this. Like, I, I'm, I'm trembling writing this email. Like, like, she was even real about that. But never once in all of her vulnerability did she ever diminish her own dignity or her own power in this situation. And I think that is a really, really Great example of what I'm talking about here. And he responded, by the way, I just want to say, he responded by saying, I totally get it. And he even said, you know, I've, I've been a little afraid myself that I was leading you on or that I was, you know, letting you think something. And she said, no, 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 you've been honest the whole time. She goes, I allowed this to continue in this way. I allowed these feelings to develop in myself. You were honest the whole time, but now that I see what's happening, I need to scale back. And like what I, what I want to say, and, and this is the, this is the realization I ultimately came to in my own journey with this was that when I could really be honest like that with someone, and I, I did this myself many times, many, many times got rejected many, many times, right? But, but I, I started to learn in a really deep way, even though there was a disappointment, a sadness, maybe a feeling of rejection, the feeling of confidence that developed underneath that, even when this person rejected me, I, I, I mean, if I had time, I would go into some stories, but I, I want to, I want to keep this to a certain time here. But what I noticed was even if I, even if I got rejected, even if that person didn't give the answer I was hoping they gave me, and of course I would feel that I would feel sad. I would feel lonely. I would feel maybe not enough, or maybe like, you know, maybe I would question, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? But underneath that, the confidence that developed inside of me 
by being able to own my experience. It, it was so much bigger than my fears were. And I think that's something like I heard it said, I heard it said once, I can't remember, it was maybe on a podcast I heard or something, but there was a woman speaking and she said to she said to speak your truth, even if you do it with a shaking voice. And I, I never I never forgot that line, and I thought that was so powerful. Because the truth is, for all of you, if you've, if you've never done it, if you've never approached these conversations in this way, then you're probably going to have a shaking voice when you do it for the first time. But the fact that you're afraid or the fact that it's uncomfortable for you doesn't make it any less powerful. And when you start doing that consistently, Every time, what will, what will ultimately happen is you will develop a confidence that is just unbreakable. You'll develop a confidence that just, I, I, it's just amazing. And you will start, you will start being honest about everything with everyone. appropriately, of course, right? You don't need to overshare, which that's a different topic. But you will have the courage to be honest and to be authentic. And you will realize there is nothing to hide and nothing you would want to hide even if you could. All right, all right. So that's the message for today. And I wanna open up for some questions now. I've seen some questions coming in. So I'm just going to take a look here, and uh, those of you who have questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. I'll get to as many as I can. Okay, so I'm going to start with this question from Kunsa Aslam. Kunsa Aslam uh, says, how to handle the negative responses of people after being vulnerable and learn how to let go? Okay, this is a, this is a great question. Really, really awesome question. Now, This is where you've got to get comfortable with your own discomfort. And this is, I mean, I want everyone to hear this. Like what I'm about to talk about is the greatest life skill you will ever learn. And and this applies to relationships. This applies to your career. This applies to family, friendships. I mean, this applies across the board. Literally, this is the greatest life skill you will ever learn is to start to get comfortable in your own discomfort. Learn how to be with your own discomfort. Now, I I said this at the beginning, but I want to say it again. I want to put it in context of the question that's being asked. The only thing we are ever afraid of is a feeling. Now, the only exception to that would be is if like somebody's chasing you and they're trying to kill you. Okay, like that would be real fear. Or if you're, if you're in a car accident, okay, and there's like a, a moment of fear as you're crashing your car. Okay, like there are, there is real fear that's just like a survival response because your life is literally in danger. But unless your life is literally in danger, the only thing you're ever afraid of is a feeling. 
Like this is, this is the most profound thing. <laughs> if you really understand what I'm saying right now, it's the most profound thing because feelings are not scary. They just feel. <laughs> but we've developed a, a, a reactivity to our feelings. And look, this is, this is old stuff, okay? Like this started way, 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 way back in your life. This started in childhood, okay? When you're, when you're this tiny little child and your parents are these big things and they get angry at you and you are completely helpless and completely powerless and your little child brain goes into a survival response, okay? And now, as an adult, you have been trained somatically in your body to whenever something gets uncomfortable, you go into a survival response. But, but what we first got to recognize is like, you're not that child anymore. And you don't have to respond as though you are a helpless little child. I get it. You have a programmed response and then this got really intense, right? So you could say you got your first impressions in childhood when you were very little. And then the next, I think the next big stage of development is what I was saying earlier is middle school or high school when we start to get involved with people romantically. And now, you know, it's like, it's like say I'm in middle school or high school and I like this guy or this girl and they reject me. And now it's triggering not only that survival response from my childhood, but also how am I going to look to this person? What are they going to say about me? How am I going to look to my peers, right? I just got rejected in front of the whole school. Now everybody's talking about it. People are laughing at me. I look pathetic, right? So, so now this survival response that first began in childhood is now being re-experienced on a whole other level. Like I remember, I, I share this story often. This is my this is the biggest heartbreak of my life, honestly. It's no heartbreak I have ever been through has hurt as bad as this one. When I was 16 years old, my girlfriend cheated on me with a mutual friend of ours. Then she broke up with me, blindsided me. Then two weeks later, I get a call from his cousin telling me what's going on. I, I didn't even know his cousin. She calls me up and she tells me what's going on between him and my ex-girlfriend. And that they'd been together since before uh, we had even broke up. And when this happened, I was like, I was so devastated. And then, yeah, and, and it's like, it's like I was in love for the first time. I, I had like a real relationship for the first time. And, and that's how it happened. I put all my faith and all my trust in this person. And that's how it happened. And I was devastated by this experience. And like, honestly, I could have gotten over it in a much healthier way, but I turned to drugs. I turned to using other people and other relationships in an unhealthy way. I became a very calloused, very hard hearted individual. And the reason I became that way was because that's the environment I was living in. That's how my dad was. That's basically without, without literally sitting down and teaching me, that's what he taught me about how to be a man and how to handle pain and heartache as a man. And so I became that way. And it took me a lot of years to heal that. Now, had I had better guidance, I might have healed in a much healthier way. But the truth is, we just don't have good guidance, most of us. Most of our parents are not very conscious. Most of us just don't have good guidance. So what I had to learn 
as an adult, having all that trauma from my childhood and then from my teenage years and what happened with my girlfriend, like when I was really truly in love for the first time and I was really truly vulnerable and I really put my heart on the line and then she just freaking stomped all over it, okay? Like what I had to learn was how to be okay with those kinds of feelings. And my whole life, I mean, I started learning this stuff in my 20s. And I'll say like in my 20s was when I kind of started. And and I'd say I got really good with it in my early 30s. I really like learned how to integrate this stuff in a, in a meaningful way. But when, what was I going to say? When I, uh, when I was in my early 20s and I was learning how to really be with these kinds of feelings, it was, it was just a matter of learning how to hold these things in my body, learning how not to run from them, learning how not to be thrown in a reaction. So I would, you know, I remember this night I, I went on, uh, there was this woman, um, awesome woman. She's actually married now. They seem to be really happy, really happy for her, um, but awesome woman, you know, great personality, attractive, fun to hang out with. And she and I had been involved in this community together and I had developed an interest in her. And I was, I was asking her out for like weeks, you know, I got her phone number, we were texting and, and, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, you want to go out this weekend? She was busy. She was never available. And, and I, I was persistent. I kept trying and, you know, finally she's like, all right, let's do it. Let's go out. And so we went out, we had a really fun date. Um, I, I had a little moped at the time. I, I took her on a scooter ride and we went to dinner and then we, we wrote, we rode over to the beach. We hung out. It was a great date. And then afterwards we went back to her house. We sat and talked for a couple hours. And when I got home that night, I remember I was just like on this cloud nine after this date. And, and I was just like, oh, you know, finally, I've been trying to get her to go out with me for so long. And this date was so good and it went so well. And I'm just so happy it's finally happening. Like this is all the stuff that's happening in my mind, right? And then I, I, I reach out to her and I text her and I say, look, I just want you to know that I really like you. Now, honestly, this was probably a little premature. Like it was, it was our first date, but I, I, it was probably a little premature to come out with this, but I did it anyway. And I just said, I just want you to know that I really like you. And she responded to me by saying that, oh, that's so kind. And, you know, I really like you too. And I, I enjoy our time together and I enjoy our conversations. And, you know, it's really a lot of fun to hang out with you. But I need to be honest, I don't feel that way about you. I see you as a friend, right? And for all the, for all the guys out there who get friend zone, <laughs> I feel your pain, um, Cause that happened to me a lot. I got friend zoned a lot. And so, you know, it's kind of like, ah, and so in that moment, I had to be with what I was feeling. And fortunately at that time in my life, I had become conscious enough to not get thrown into a reaction about it, but just to really sit with what I was feeling and be with it. And it's like, okay, she rejected me. Or, you know, I mean, even rejection's a strong word, but she doesn't feel the same way I do. She doesn't want the same things from this relationship that I do. And, and I had to sit with that. And I had to feel my feelings around it. 
And I just had to come to terms with it internally. And you know what? When I was conscious and present about it, it wasn't really that hard. Now, in the past, I would have been thrown into like, oh my God, I'm not enough. And what's wrong with me? And why doesn't she like me? And why don't I have what other guys have? And blah, 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 and on and on and on. But that night, for whatever reason, and maybe it was just I had done a certain amount of work and I'd gotten to a certain place with myself, but I didn't do that. I was just able to be with what was happening. I was able to sit with what I was feeling. And you know what? The feeling came and the feeling went. And a really interesting thing happened that night was that the next day, I was more confident than I was the day before. It's an interesting dynamic, an interesting thing that happens there. You actually become more confident by facing these things and facing your own emotional experience of them than you do by running from it. And I remember the next day I woke up and I felt like, you know what? I'll bet. I'll bet if I really wanted to and if this was really important to me, that I could continue spending time with her and that I could show up in a way that over time she would actually want to be with me too. And I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea if that's true, but that's how I felt. And, and what I want to say is the reason I felt that was because that was reflective of the confidence that I was feeling. I wasn't feeling rejected by her. I was actually feeling that I still had a chance. But also in that moment, I realized that, you know what? It's not that important to me. I realize that there is lots and lots of possibility for love and there's no reason for me to chase someone who has made it clear they don't feel the same way about me. Like, isn't that cool? <laughs> by, by just being present to my own emotional experience and avoiding the temptation to beat myself up over it, Avoiding the temptation to go into my reactivity or my old patterns or my desperation or my neediness, but just to accept what happened and sit with my emotional experience of it, that I would wake up the next day completely transformed by the experience. So that's how you do it. And like, I want to say for those of you who cling and some of you cling. Some of you are like, oh my God, they don't want me. How do I get them to want me? Or, or, you, or you like lament the fact that they don't want you. And it just hangs on for days and days and days and weeks. And you go, why am I so unlovable? Why am I so like not wanted by people? Why, what, what, what's wrong with me? Why didn't, and, and you just sit in it and you stew in it and you repeat it over and over and over again. And that destroys your confidence. But when you can just accept what is, like, hey, they're a sovereign human being, completely able to make choices for what they want and what they don't want. They're, they're completely able to, to, you know, like who they want and not like who they don't want. And you know what? Like, I don't know what they're into. She might be into guys who are completely different than me. She might have a certain type that I don't fit. But that's not about me. That's about her. 
And that's not wrong. She's entitled to that. But I'm not wrong either. And just like really acceptance of it. And like not making anything wrong with it. Just letting it be okay. Like I really, I really want everyone to hear this is a lot of us live from the unrealistic assumption that everyone we like should like us as well. And if they don't, that there's something wrong with us. And that's just ridiculous. That's just insanity. I mean, that, that's like, one, that's not even reflective of reality at all. Two, if you live from that idea, you're just going to hurt yourself over and over and over again. And three, like, it's, it's dumb to do. And, and I love all of you, so I'm not calling you dumb, but I'm saying if you're doing that, it's kind of a dumb thing to do because you're destroying your confidence where you could be building it. You're destroying your confidence where you could be. You see, we think that confidence comes from other people liking us, right? If they like me, that boosts my confidence. No, 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 no. That's not confidence. And I want everyone to hear this because this is important. If I need you to like me in order to be confident, then that's not confidence. That is me already not feeling enough and hoping that your interest in me is going to overcompensate for my feelings of not being enough. That's not confidence at all. But I'll tell you what is confidence. The, the ability to love who I am and honor who I am and appreciate who I am even when someone else doesn't. That's confidence. And so when someone rejects me or when someone says, I don't feel the same way you do or I don't want the same things you do or I don't see you in the same way that you see me and I feel that, confidence comes from being able to receive that and not change the way I view myself. So she says, I really just like you as a friend. And I say, oh, that hurts. And I say, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. And I say, man, I was really, really hoping that she would feel the same way I felt and that we could really get on a different track here. But that's how she feels. And I'm actually going to honor how she feels. I'm actually going to respect how she feels. I'm not going to try to make her feel something different, or I'm not going to think that she should feel something different. And I'm not going to think that the way she feels is a reflection of something that's wrong with me. I'm just going to accept how she feels. I'm going to be present to my experience of this. If I feel rejected, if I feel less than, if I feel unworthy, and I'm going to recognize myself as someone who is big enough to hold my own experience. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up feeling better about myself. I hope everybody's understanding what I'm saying right now. If, if, if this is making sense, go ahead, just tap that heart a few times. I want to really know if this is landing for everybody. So I'm going to end with this question, be the last one. Uh, question is, it's hard to keep the balance of vulnerability and empoweredness. How to practice it? Hard to keep the balance of vulnerability and empoweredness. How to practice it? Okay, so um, great, great question.
And I, I mean, honestly, I might not have like the deepest answer here. The way to practice it is to practice it. So I, I said earlier, you know, uh, that, that quote I had heard is speak your truth, even if you're doing it with a shaking voice, right? Speak your truth, even if you're doing it with a shaking voice. And so I, I think that is really the essence of, of the message here is if you, if you want to practice this, just practice it. And, and so I'll give, I'll give you a few guidelines for that. Like one, maybe sit down with yourself. If you're, if you're involved with someone, you're dating, getting to know someone, or, or maybe you've even been with them for a long time and you want to practice vulnerability or honesty. You know, maybe sit down with yourself with a journal and just write out what is it you really want to communicate to them. If there were no limits, if there were no fear of rejection, if there was no, you know, concerns about anything, just get really clear with yourself about what you would communicate to them if you, if there was not, if you weren't holding back at all and write it out. Right. So I would want to ask them this. I would want to tell them this. I would want to share that I'm feeling this. I would want to ask for clarity on this or that or the other thing and just really write it all out. Get it all really clear and then practice talking to them about it. So I always say when you want to have one of these conversations, it's great to ask permission because when you get permission, you set up like a, like an environment for this to happen. Right. So it's like, it's like, okay, so it, when I talk about getting permission, if I were dating someone or, or wanted to bring this up, I'd say something like, Hey, um, you know, there, there are some things I wanted to talk about with you. It's kind of, kind of an important conversation. Would you mind if maybe tonight when we see each other, we could make some time to talk about it. So you're setting it up ahead of time. Now they know like, oh, okay, there's going to be a conversation. They're prepared for it. You're prepared for it. So it's not like you're just sitting down, having a good time. And then you're like dropping a bomb on them. Right. So that's always a great suggestion is to just get permission, get agreement. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. Sounds good. Okay. So you set it up ahead of time. Then you sit down. And again, even if you do it with a shaking voice, you say what's true. You say what's real. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'd like to know from you. Can you be honest with me about this? Can you answer these questions for me? Can you tell me how you really feel? Right? It's it just, it's just go, go all in with it. Don't hold anything back. No matter how scary it is, no matter what you feel in your body, just go for it. And I want to say this too. And this, this isn't a point I really touched on um, today when I was speaking, but it is an important one. And what I want to say is the, the underlying theme in all of this and, and the, the thing that really has you maintain your power is that you always have the option to leave. I, pr I probably should have said this at some point earlier, but I guess I'm getting to it now, right? <laughs> is you always have the option to leave. And that is really where the empowered element of this comes in. It's like, I'm vulnerable, I'm authentic, I'm heartfelt, I'm honest. You know, I'm, I'm even to an extent like giving you the upper hand. I'm, I'm kind of putting my heart in your hands here and, and letting you do with it what you will. But at the same time, 
I am always reserving in my back pocket that I can leave. At every, at every moment, at every moment, I am aware that I can always remove myself from this situation if I feel that it doesn't serve me. And I, I think the difference between being empowered or not being empowered is that right there. I can be as vulnerable and as authentic and as open and willing and like willing to let you have the upper hand. Like I can, I can give you all of that. And as long as I'm always hanging on to my ability to remove myself from this situation at the moment that I realize it's no longer serving me, I am remaining in my power. But the moment I go, the moment I cross that line and I go into, I will not leave, I'm hanging on to you desperately. That's when you lose your power. So I actually, I am really glad we got to this point today because it is, it is an important piece of this whole conversation is that all your power lies in the fact that you can always leave. You know, it's funny. We, we think we lose our power when we're vulnerable, but we don't lose our power when we're vulnerable. We lose our power when we give up our choice to leave. And it's funny, so many of us will, will be unwilling to be vulnerable. We're unwilling to be vulnerable, but we'll give up our choice to leave, right? So it's like, it's like I'm not going to leave. I'm hanging on no matter what. And now because I'm hanging on no matter what, I also can't be vulnerable. Because if I'm vulnerable, I might reach a point where I need to leave, but I'm not willing to leave. So I'm not going to be vulnerable. And now you're completely disempowered in the relationship. Now you're completely at the mercy of the other person because one, you're not leaving. You've given up your right to leave. Two, you're not speaking. You're not using your voice. And so you're, you're basically just, you're basically just hoping that they decide on their own that they want the same things you want, but you've given up your ability to move the relationship forward in a creative way to have creative conversations with this person and see if you can get on the same page. Right? So this is what most people do. It's like, I won't leave and I also won't be vulnerable. And now I'm just at the mercy of this other person, hoping that they're going to want the same things I want and hoping this all works out. And maybe it does work out one in a million. 90% of the time that never works. But when you retain your ability to leave, you also have the ability to be, to be vulnerable. Right? Look, at any moment, this doesn't work for me. At any moment that I get clear that this relationship is not serving me, is not what I want, I will leave. And right here in this moment, right now, I am coming to you with an open heart, with a deep desire for us to see if we can get on the same page and make this work. And if we can't, I'll leave. But before I leave, 
I really want to put it all out there. I really want to give it everything I have to give. All right, so I think with that, I'm going to close it out today. This was a great, great conversation, everybody. And um, I just want to thank all of you for your questions, for your contributions. I've seen uh, lots of great comments and sharing your experience and connecting here. So just thank you so much for diving in. Um, To those of you listening on the podcast, I I just want to send you so much love. And uh, I, I hope that, you know, this has been incredibly valuable for you and it's allowing you to move forward in, in your life in a profound and powerful way, uh, sending you so much love. And um, yeah, with that, I just want to say, everybody, um, if you'd like to catch the replay or you would like to, uh, to be able to revisit this conversation or hear many other conversations like this, um, subscribe to the podcast. It's available on all major platforms, The Conscious Love Show. And um, just sending everybody so much love and so many blessings for your life and your love life as you move on and as you find, uh, as you find what's, what's going to work for you in your life. So yeah, much love, many blessings, all the best to all of you. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and I'll see you back here next week. Much love, all right? Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.